0: All right, folks. Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. Uh, today, we are uh, joined by Matthew King, who is a longtime, not just longtime, a lifetime Santa Monica. Um born here, went to school in the area, has done a lot a lot of work in and around this area. Um, he's joining us as a new columnist at the Daily Press. And we're actually really excited for this because it's hard to find good columnists. So I'm super excited to have him on board. His column is called The Shore Thing. Um, it's all about beach life and beach activities here in the city. It's a very broad and diverse subject. Um so Matthew, thank you very much for being here today. Why, why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself and and then we'll get into talking about the column.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks, Matt. Um, first, I just want to thank you for having me here. I'm so happy that there's a, a resource like the Santa Monica Daily Press. It's such a fascinating city. There's so much going on. And, you know, as someone who comes from a background of journalism, we need that watchdog and someone who's holding people accountable and and, and also, you know, you know, covering the cultural aspects of, of life. And so I'm so happy to you know, to join the Santa Monica Daily Press family, as it were. Um, my background is uh, I was born in Santa Monica. Uh, I've lived here most of my life. I went to Berkeley and was a uh, got my English degree, and then I went to USC as a journalism major. And so I spent the majority of my life in uh, journalism, um, but I grew up on the beaches of Santa Monica. My dad was a L.A. County lifeguard for 30 years. And uh, during the summers, my mom would just drop me off at the beach, there wasn't any helicopter parents back then. So this is, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. And my mom would just drop me off and I would just run around on the beach and just spend all my summers there, all the free time I could. And she had this idea that my my dad was somehow watching me. But in reality, there was probably 10,000 people on the beaches he was looking out for. So I was probably the last thing on his mind. So I got a great education on the beaches. And then I spent, uh, after my career in journalism, I, I, I was a, a communications director at Heal the Bay, which hopefully most of your listeners and readers know what Heal the Bay is. It's really the leading ocean protection group in Southern mm-hmm. California. And so for last 10 or 15 years or so, I was there, and uh, I really got a, a great handle on some of the environmental and the uh, political challenges that are involved with managing the beaches. And so that also uh, helped uh, my education. So, you know, I've, I've, I've covered the waterfront, as, a, as it were.
0: Sure. So w- w- when you mentioned that, your diverse background, but you've always been had the beach at heart, right? Yep. It's always been always been close close to your mind. So, what is it? We'll just jump right in. What What do you think? I guess how would you define beach culture in Santa Monica, right? Because one of the things I always talk about is that pe- it, the culture is different and the world is different, even just a few miles up and down the beach, right? Like yep. you can walk from Venice to Malibu along the beach and it's radically different. Completely, man. I, it's I, You're so
1: on it because, you know, during COVID, that's kind of, I've been getting my 10,000 steps. And it's funny, Matt, because I parked my car at Tower 26 and I decided, hey, am I going to go left today or am I going to go right? And if I go left, I go down to Venice Boardwalk and, you know, you're just seeing more skaters and Rastafarians and Patchouli and Pot. And to the right, you kind of, you know, uh, you're in Santa Monica. It's a little bit more family-oriented. And then you hit the pier, and you can see all the people have come down the 10 freeway to escape the the the, the smog and the heat. And uh, that's what I love about the beach. I, I've, I've said this before, you know, explaining to my kids about uh, why I'm so attracted to the beach. kind of reminds me of Dodger Stadium. I think that, like, there's very few places in L.A., where you got this cross-section of everybody. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a salad bowl. You know, they used to say melting pot. I I hate that expression. But it's kind of like a salad bowl where it's a mixture of all these different people doing all these different things. And um, when I go down to the beach, you can just see how happy people are. There, I mean, it may sound corny, but people are smiling, and like there's lovers just sort of canoodling on the beach, and there's little kids that are just shrieking as the waves try to get them. And like I said, then there's this... Other stoners just, you know, taking a toke and just mellowing out. And they're surfers. And, um, I don't know, beach culture to me seems like it's still that idea of escape or recharge and that people um, go there just to sort of feel good about things. There's a lot of stressors in life in L.A. County. And, once again, without sounding corny, my dad was a lifeguard. I was at Heal the Bay. That That's a really special place that needs protecting and, and, and looking after and people being thoughtful about because it's an incredible
0: Source of, of therapy, I think, for millions of people. Absolutely, I'll tell you. So, I'll tell you. My my favorite thing to see at the beach. I, I love, and you don't even have to talk to folks. You can see them. The folks who clearly aren't—they're not fortunate enough to live by the water for no. whatever reason—and you can always tell when someone's come to the beach for the first time or a limited time, and there's there's truly a sense of wonder on yes. their faces, and. It's funny. So I used to live in the marina. I used to live in Marina Del Rey. So I'd, I'd ride my bicycle up the beach path from home to work every day. And one of the like the classic obstacles of trying not to die on the beach path is when you're dri- <laughs> biking home at night, um, you get hit Venice and the Venice beach path like zigzags and wiggles yep. right by the skate park, and it's it's blind curves, yep. right? And it's like every night there's going to be some tourist standing in the middle of the path taking a selfie or taking sunset. And you, eventually you have to make the decision to bail out into the sand or, like, you know, that always comes up. But no matter how frustrated I was at, like, getting to a stop, I still appreciate why they were doing it, right? Like, there's just a truly mind-boggling experience for them to walk up to with Venice Beach or Santa Monica Beach, particularly in the evening when the sun's setting and the colors are hitting. And whether you're religious or not, like something spiritual, there is something different deeply connected in us as human beings that responds to that vista.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love I, seeing that. Well, it's funny you say that, Matt, because I, I agree. I mean, you just need to come down at sunset, right? And you see all those people flocking to it. It's like they're coming to a, a mosque or a cathedral or whatever it is. There's some, you're right. There's something spiritual about it. Everyone gets quiet and they watch this thing. And I actually was uh, read an interesting theory about that, about why people like to look at the, the horizon and the sea there's something very calming about that. It's an interesting theory. I mean, I'm not a evolutionary psychologist or whatever, but the theory was that it taps into something primordial, that people remember back to the caveman days or whatever, and they looked at the horizon, and they were on the plains of Africa, and they wanted to see this veldt or whatever it is. And if they saw that there was literally nothing on the horizon – Literally, there were no marauding mobs. There were no animals coming to get them. And so that idea of a calm mm. horizon somehow triggers back to some sort of primordial days of a simpler time, and and, and people love to look at that. Um, the other thing is you're talking about tourists, and, and and I, you know, I grew up here, so I've become sort of jaded, and I'm walking along Santa Monica Bay, and every once in a while I just say, wow, man, that's like heavy. You know, it looks like Hawaii or, or something like that. And sometimes... The tourists, we all know the tourists are the lifeblood of Santa Monica. And, you know, you're kind of located here in tourist central and people wandering around. And I see couples and they're matching Bubba Gump t-shirts and they're, you know, whiter than a marshmallow. And I'm kind of like, oh my God. And then I, and then I got to kind of check myself and you just see, like you say, this for many people, it's literally like the first time they've seen the ocean. It's Mm -hmm. probably me going to the Grand Canyon or something like that and thinking out about it. And, um, the point is we're, we're very, very, very fortunate to have it here.
0: A- absolutely. And, you know, there's lots of different elements to beach life, right? And this is one of the things your column's going to talk about, this diversity of activities and options, right? You've got everything from, I mean, under the Shore Thing column, you could talk about kelp deforestation and sea urchins. Right. You can talk about surfing and diversity, which you did. We did a, a dog park one. Right. We can talk about homelessness. You can talk about recreation activities on the pier. There's sea level rise. There's there's, I mean, there's just like any number of things that can come out of a column about beach life here. Totally. So so like what are you what are you excited to delve into and write about? Well,
1: I I think the the thing is to kind of do a mixture of things uh, where you just don't want to be lecturing about environmental challenges and, and, you know, uh, uh, there's certainly light things that are they're going on in the beaches as, as well. I mean, one of the things I'm excited about looking at, Matt, is I'm curious about food options, uh, quite frankly. You know, I, I've been fortunate. I had a career in journalism. I was the international editor at The Hollywood Reporter. And so I got to travel all over the world. And looking back at it now, I realize how fortunate I was. Then it was a job. It was kind of like, oh, God, you know, I got to but, you know, I, I, I've been to Cannes, I've been to Montevideo, uh, you know, I, I've been to San Sebastian. Uh, all these places around the world have this sort of coastal uh, culture. And one of the great things I've always enjoyed was being able to sit there and, and, and just have an amazing meal. Just like steps right off the beach, you know, have a glass of rosé, you know, some some of the local beer, and have this fresh seafood and whatnot. And I, I, I still think it's a challenge in Santa Monica, it was sort of a world-class Cuisine destination, but we haven't quite got it dialed in at the beach yet, and so I, I may I, I hope to take a look at at that uh, uh, you know food culture. Um, so th- there's a lot of different things that you can get into when you when, when you look at, at the beach, and I think that um, uh, as you say, uh, it triggers a lot of things for a lot of different people. So there's political ramifications, environmental ramifications, there's athletic ramifications. You know, you go down there now. And you see people on these uh, uh, spin cycles. Uh, oh, the they, outdoor classes? Yeah. You know, there's literally 60 on. And I th- and so, I don't know. It Matt, there just seems like there's a wealth of, of things to get into. And so, I, like I said, I take this daily walk down there and I go surfing in the morning. And I'm, I'm just going to let my muse take me where, where I see interesting things happening.
0: What what? Where's your surf spot? Where do you well, go?
1: Well, Bay Street, you know, one of the great challenges of growing up here is, you know, they call it your home break. It's kind of where you grew up and where you spend most of your time. And um, you, you, you sort of have a, a love affair with it. And uh, the, the challenge is that uh, you can fall in love with it and lose some of your your rationality. So for better or worse, Bay Street is is my home break. And when I say ba- better or for worse is Santa Monica Bay, I've said, is blessed with uh, uh, many great things. Unfortunately, surf isn't necessarily one of them. There's places El Porto, Malibu that have more consistent surf, but the surf in Santa Monica, truth be told, is is not very good. It's there's a very fickle window where it, you know lately, depending on where the, the the swell directions are coming from and what the wind conditions are like. And so, in the in the fall and in the winter is when Bay Street is is best. And so uh, I, I love it when I'm down there. Um, but the other great challenge, Matt, is that, uh, like all other things in Santa Monica, the pressure is like, we're literally at the end of the 10 freeway, right? And so you only have to come here on the weekend and see what off ramp near your place at oh, fourth yeah. or fifth is like, you, you might as well take a camel in here. You, you get here quicker and it's very crowded. So, uh, the surf lineup is getting really, really crowded and it is interesting I'm not going to pretend I'm one of the OG Dogtown guys, but I've been here a long time. And I remember when you go surfing in the middle of the week, and there might be eight, 12 people in the water, but because of the growing popularity of surfing and the whole COVID thing, people are stuck at their home or, you know, they can make an excuse that they're quote working from home and they're sneaking out to to go surfing. Um, Santa Monica surf spots are getting much, much more crowded. And so, Part of me, the intellectual side of me, mad is kind of like, oh, this is great. Everyone gets to enjoy what I do and be egalitarian about it. My wife gets real mad because I just get more grumpy when I'm like on the oh, look at all these people. And, you know, they're my son's age or these wannabes because there's all these people that want to come here from outside to come to L.A. and Santa Monica. And, and there's kind of seeing this images on these ads and whatnot. And so surfing is kind of the new golf is what I'm trying to say Matt, and so it's kind of a love-hate thing because you're kind of happy that other people are enjoying the stoke, but it's a limited resource, and it, it gets harder to get the wave sometimes.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I'm not a surfer. Clara Clara Harder, our reporter, is. Um, you'll sometimes hear her reference it on when she comes on on the weekends. Um, yeah, so I don't surf, but I I know where you're coming from on the crowding and the sense of respect. So uh, I have a kayak in yeah. the marina, um, and so I go out on the kayak every chance I get. Yeah. And nothing makes me angrier than uh, asshole tourists harassing the sea lions, yep. right? And it's just like, and every day I see it in my head, and I don't generally say it out loud, but I'll say it out loud here in other places. I'm always like, I kind of hope that guy gets bitten in the face, right? <laughs> I'm gonna like, exactly. Like, I, I really hope that sea lion bites him. Like, I don't want him to, to die, but like, a good bite would teach him a lesson. Yeah, you, you kind of like, see
1: that like uh, in Yellowstone sometimes, like people, morons trying to get a selfie with a bison or yeah, something. And you are rooting like, for shocked, the bison. Yeah, know, yeah. And the bison <laughs> like, kind of takes out the SUV and you're just like, right on. Yeah, good Well, job. it's interesting, man. I mean, because I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a federal law. Like they're not allowed to come within the yeah, yards to. or something. Or you're 50 not supposed yards, but to. No one knows that law. Right. You know, there's six billion laws on the books now. So. And,
0: and like when you're out on the water, right? And it's, it's whether they're people who and I don't begrudge anyone renting a kayak or renting one of those Duffy's, the electric yeah. boats yeah, yeah. and like, great. Have at it folks. But just, like I say, leave the wildlife alone. Yeah,
1: well, you, you want people to kind of uh, learn the rules of the, of the road and, and and at the risk of, you know, sounding like get off my lawn, grumpy old guy. I mean, I, I, I do worry about common courtesy and respect. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of. You know, I, I have two sons that are in their early twenties and, uh, it's a challenge raising kids to stay, but I like to think that I raised courteous, thoughtful, polite sons. And, and the pressures in LA is like, I just think there's this sort of go, go, go mentality. Mm-hmm. And people are going to get in that kayak and not think about what they're doing. It's about their moment. It's about their picture. And, you know, you sometimes see that in the waves where, you know, the idea is sort of respect your elders and kind of ease your way in and, 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 and earn your respect. And, and then you can get some waves. But there's people just paddle out there and haven't even learned the basic rules about who has right of way. And and quite frankly, it can be dangerous before. I, I've seen plenty of accidents that have sent people to the emergency room. And just like someone getting bit on the nose by a sea otter or a, or a sea lion or something, um, it can be dangerous out there. So I, I just, you know, like I say, you know, YouTube is and Google is, is, is a, your friend and your foe. But when people are just doing new things, just take some time to learn uh, the rules of the road. Same thing, Matt, at the beach. It makes me absolutely crazy. I'm sure you see it after in the marina after a Fourth of July weekend. People just leave their shit everywhere. It's like the the, the beach is literally like the, the edge of the natural wilderness area. It's like our Central Park, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so people would not leave McDonald's wrappers and broken Styrofoam buckets and and and, and six packs. Just strewn all over uh, Tuolumne Meadows in Yosemite, that people seem to have no compunction just about leaving their crap all over the beach when they leave. And that kind of
0: bumps me out. Yeah, I totally sympathize with that. Um, I have a, so uh, what Aaron, my girlfriend, uh, always teases me about is actually that I will, uh, I'll detour on the kayak to pull a single bee out of the water. Yeah. It was a bee struggling. Like, no bee friend, come on. Yeah. Out. But like w- outside of that, the next thing that we always pull out are like, you know, chip bags or plastic water bottles. Or it's just like, yeah. it's all over the place. And yeah.
1: Well, well, well I'm going to put my heel the bay on hat, Matt, because uh, like I said, I used to work there a long time as the communications director. And the one bit of information that we, we imparted that I, that people seem like, wow, that, you know, you could see the light bulb go off in their head is I've just been ragging on people that leave their crap on the beach. And that is a challenge, but the majority of the material, the trash that you see on the beach, those cigarette butts and whatnot, actually come from, from inland. So it's that storm drain right, system.
0: The, the pico-cancer the, storm drain. Yeah,
1: that carries everything. And people don't realize that. Like Basically, West L.A., Brentwood, Beverly Hills, you name it, all the trash that's on the street gets carried uh, into the storm drain system, out the out the outfalls, basically— um, you know, right in front of Casa del Mar there, you know, where that Pico-Kenner storm drain is. And yep. so it's, it's. I don't want to say it, it's like basically the asshole of West L.A. You know, it's basically all that stuff is flowing yeah. out there gets right into out. the ocean. And so I say I surf at Bay Street, um, that's sort of the cognitive dissonance where um, Ben Kay, the science teacher at Santa Monica, has done a ton of studies with his students, and they've measured the pollution mm-hmm. there. Team Marine. Yeah, do not surf there after rainfall or a storm because it literally is one of the most polluted beaches in the state of of california and and that's also the thing i want to talk about matt is like um it's interesting santa monica pier historically has been one of the most polluted beaches throughout the state of california Heal the bay would do its annual rankings Mm -hmm. a through f grades and we have our beach bummers the 10 most polluted beaches santa monica pier kind of always seems to come on and off And I want to give credit to the city of Santa Monica has spent millions of dollars to try to improve that. And it's a very complicated, some stuff is environmental, some is organic, is bird droppings or, you know, something from, you know, and and so there's a million different reasons. Um, So Santa Monica still has significant challenges. We have water quality problems. It's so much better than when I was growing up, but we still have to keep our eye on it. And it seems like the city of Santa Monica is willing to spend the money and try to get after that. So I, I commend them for that.
0: Yeah, and th- actually, I, I agree. The Pier Beach grade... I mean, this is when you get, like, nerd stuff is interesting. Like, I find it fascinating. I right. find the mechanics of the beach grade fascinating because, like you say, there's all these different facets, right? Birds roost under the pier and poop on the beach, and there's bacteria there. The pier itself provides shade, which prevents sunlight from hitting right. it. Right? Exactly. It's a natural disinfectant. There's all the people moving around. Like, I always find that a fascinating discussion. Again, it's also gross, <laughs> isn't is what it is of what its but it is fascinating.
1: Well, well, the other thing, Matt, is uh, – it's an environmental justice issue, quite frankly. Um, as I've said, uh, historically, uh, people of color were excluded from from beachside communities by and large, but sometimes, you know, by law, you know, in the, in, in the Jim Crow era, and then uh, just economic and social conditions, and so you would see enormous. Uh, amounts of uh, BIPOC community coming in their cars on the Ten freeway park on either side of the pier. God bless them. It's like a wonderful reprieve from inland smog and heat and heat Island and, and, and all that. And then they get in the water there. And then it's also one of the 10 most polluted beaches in the state. Um, and so it's like, Hey, can we get a break? And I, I, I appreciate that the, the, the you know, the, the city is trying to, to get after that. Um, but it, it is interesting to think about the people who are most impacted, mm-hmm. because if you go down there, like we said, you know, if you go down there on the weekend, um, you, you will largely see communities of color there—Latinos and uh, Latinx and and African American communities—and um, so it's just it's it's worth thinking about who's who's being affected by by these pollution challenges.
0: So this brings up a transition a little bit similar subject, but. Yeah. I, so related to beach access and and beaches for everybody and all those kinds of things, you know, Coastal Commission is sort of the the high-level state regulatory yep. agency and so they control parking close to the beach, they control some beach development. There's lots of Coastal Commission jurisdiction that goes on yes. around here. And it's complicated. Lot, it is. And and a lot of their overriding mission statement is about access, right? Like right. that's their thing. It's making sure the beaches for everyone provides access. Um I think, you know, in coastal communities, the the Coastal Commission has somewhat of a mixed reputation. Some yes. people love what they do. Some people hate them with a the, with the burning passion. Wh- what do you think of the Coastal Commission? I'm just curious. Like, where's uh, your where yeah, do you stand on that spectrum?
1: Yeah, well, you know, now that I, I, I don't work at Heal the Bay, I, I guess I can speak my mind more clearly because the matters aren't going to be in front of them. I, I think they have an enormous challenge. I think that they had a reputation as having their heads in the sand literally and, and and kind of not realizing real-world implications of some of their decision it was it was always sort of rooted in this in this rule of law and 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 you know it was kind of that perception of their you know they're trying to save three sand guppies you know what I mean mm-hmm. and, and and so uh, an entire neighborhood was gonna have to move you know that was kind of the reputation I think now they're viewed as a little bit more uh, uh, modest or a little bit more moderate and whatnot. And I think that the Coastal Commission, it's really, really, really important what they do. Um, I think that they also have tremendous pressures on them. Um, They have legislators leaning on them. They have business interests. They have wealthy donors, uh, uh, you know, in the larger sense of thing, putting a lot of pressure on them and I know some commissioners and some alternates, and I think they try to do the right thing. And I think that it's like any other sort of uh, large regulatory body, be it the Congress or, 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 or Santa Monica City Council, someone's going to have differing opinions. But I think by and large, what they're trying to do is, is the right thing. And they're going to make some mistakes along the way. But I, I support the mission of what they're trying to do. And I think that... We need to protect these open spaces. And as I said earlier in the start of this conversation, it is so important that we maintain this idea that the coastline belongs to everybody and that we maintain that and that we have to protect some open natural spaces. That being said, unlike some of my past colleagues, I think that this is expensive work. It's not easy. And so I'm for limited development in the appropriate areas if it's going to support broader work. I was just down in Imperial Beach, uh, which is sort of the, the most Western city in the United States. It's right on the border of Tijuana and the United States. And they're a very poor, primarily Latino, working-class neighborhood, and they have all these challenges going on with sea level rise. So I was going down there to check it out. And uh, they have a fantastic mayor, Serge Dadina, who grew up there, and he's kind of taking a different approach to this whole thing where he's viewing sea level rise as kind of an opportunity for his community. And he's doing something a little bit different where he's trying to create, you know, wetlands restoration areas to kind of soak up sea level rise and be a sponge, but he's totally willing to, I I I don't know the exact numbers, but give up 25% Mm -hmm. of of that land to, for, it's not casinos, but I mean, it's kind of boutique hotels or breweries or something develop that natural land to protect the other one, because it's sometimes I think in this whole coastal stuff, it's like people are fighting for something and we need to do this and we can't do that. But they don't explain how we're going to do it. And so I think that's why the Coastal Commission, I think, is sometimes getting a clear eyed view is like some development has to happen to protect the greater good, I guess, is, is one way of looking at it, Matt.
0: Yeah, well, I'll look forward to a column on that topic because I think that's 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 a uh, we'll call it a hot take, right? Like I mean, yeah. they're, they're, that's peeps, not everyone's going to agree with that. Um, But I get where you're going with it. Like like you this, even linking back to what you said earlier about coastal dining, right? Like if there isn't a, you have to have an infrastructure and a place and buildings and like that brings people Well, that's
1: all gets complicated, Matt, too. Like I I haven't really like gotten the whole deal of it. But like uh, I imagine in Montevideo, Uruguay or San Sebastian, Spain, there aren't like eight different bodies. And so, you know, the, the, the state of California manages the beach, parking lots and the lifeguards and the city of santa monica owns the part you know i there's so many coastal commission would have to prove this this and that and and i think that uh uh you're right there's sort of a a thicket that has to be um uh undone but I, i i think that that's one of the great challenges matt is that everyone has their idea of what their ideal uh shoreline is and for some like i said i I am being a little judgmental, but, you know, if people want to drive down here and go to Bubba Gump or, or you know, and 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 spend $40, uh, you know, at the uh, arcade and get in their car and drive home, if that's their beach day and they loved it, who am I to judge that? You know what I mean? And so I think some of the people that are in charge of, of sort of overseeing these things um, have to... Uh, uh, take a viewpoint of how do we meet the needs of all these different people like i said because it is a as a, a melting pot or a salad bowl so not everyone has the same idea of, of what the beach is and i think that's sort of a challenge of santa monica sometimes is that this this really is a resource for all of southern california but we kind of feel ownership of it right mm-hmm. and so kind of that traditional progressive smur idea of what what is our beach and i think that's an that's Another topic to to delve into, is it our beach or is it with a little O or a big O, right? And, like, who controls, gets to decide what, what happens at, at Santa Monica, yeah. beaches of Santa Monica?
0: And that's, I guess, I guess the topic of a nerve, hit a little bit of a nerve for me because I think I think that sense of ownership gets out of control very quickly. I, I do. And I think right, it what gets— What do you mean? That okay. the, the, the our beach and it's ours and it's—that <clears throat> other people shouldn't be doing. Like, you reference about other people have should have access, right? Right. Sorry. So fundamentally, the California coast should belong to everybody. Yes. And everyone needs to have access to it. And that the notion that certain – when you then get into the notion of how should a beach be managed, it shouldn't necessarily be managed in the way that maximizes its potential and use for the people who live closest to it. Right? Yeah. It needs to be managed in a way that ensures – everybody has access to it. And choosing to live near the beach provides you greater access. And there's a level of concern and um, attention that needs to be paid to local issues. But I do think, I think that we, this is a bigger picture topic for me. I think we, our culture is moving more towards the eye and the ownership and tribalism. And this is my thing, not your thing. Right. Um, and I think the danger of that on the beach is this is how you get people locked out, right? This is how you get people who feel unwelcome or that they shouldn't have access, and I agree it's a difficult topic, and it's a, it's a balancing act, right? There's a lot to be said for how to sh- how do you let people access the beach, and all kinds of different ways, right? Like one of the ways that will infuriate locals: look at look at electric scooters, right? right? Like teens, youth, people, like you say, the lovers here for the weekend, people from out of town, they love to take those scooters sure. on the beach path and scooter down there.
1: Actually, well, they're, they're now on the shoreline. I, I was yesterday. I mean, literally on the, the sand, on the sand, <laughs> in the water. Because during you know low tide, it gets kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like what the hell? And it's so funny you say that, man. I was at my wife because I was again getting into grumpy, get on the lawn, you know, yell at the clouds kind of thing. And i think and so it's you're right. I was conflicted. I don't know what to think. Like they're having a good time, or they're right. really causing harm, or who are these assholes?
0: But see, I have the same response. But see, if I saw someone on the sand, my response would be, who's that asshole, right? Yeah. And even as someone who, uh, so I walk my dog and I walk along the beach path a lot right yeah. and i uh, the scooters pre-regulation in the early days it really was like almost like a plague right it was shoulder to shoulder scooters yeah. down the beach yeah. path you could not use the beach path yeah. so the enjoyment experienced by the people on the scooters was preventing the enjoyment of everybody else right yeah. like they needed to be regulated and i also am of the opinion that so in Santa Monica, right? We obviously border Venice. Um, there's folks in Venice who rent like vehicles, like oh, big I, oh, I, know, and I hear fast and they got like
1: amps on the back yeah, of them,
0: and they hold like four to eight people. And those guys zoom down the path in full-on vehicles. Yeah. Like that is too much and crazy and ridiculous. But I actually I'm not opposed to you know pe- that people on electric bicycles, like an electric bike, can go 30 miles an hour. Like yeah. should that be banned from the beach path? Like. It's it's a I, I, the complicated it, topic, right? Yeah,
1: it's, it's kind of like a prison yard, I think, because like I said, my, my dad was a lifeguard, and I kind of learned from him watching, because um, there were a lot of things that were illegal. Like I, I always remember when I was about like twelve years old, and like you know, really getting into girls or women or whatever. And there was this there was these two women that were uh, nude sunbathing uh, like by the wall back there in Santa Monica Canyon. He was he was at Tower eighteen. And this kind of stereotypical school marm biddy came up to my dad. and Was like, "I can't believe that these women are allowed to be nude on the beach, and uh, uh, there's children walking by there." And and I, I I can't remember exactly how my dad handled, but basically he just said, "Lady, they're not hurting anyone. We've got bigger things to worry about," and and basically talked her down. And so. I guess my point is, Matt, is that there are all kinds of rules about this. Like you're not allowed to have your dog here and you can't smoke pot here in a public space and there's no beers. It's kind of like a prison yard now, the beach, I think, a little bit where it's kind of like – it's it's gonna have to regulate itself, I suppose, because this is it's unrealistic. Like, I know people love to write letters to you about why aren't the Santa Monica police enforcing the laws against people riding the bikes on the sidewalks? Mm-hmm. You know, and and we we could hire you know a thousand cops to to manage these things on a on a day to day basis, and we still have quote you know violations of the law. And you're right, man. It's an it's it's not an easy answer because there's things that drive me crazy and things that I say, ah, look the other way. And uh, it's, it's unrealistic to think that there's some great regulatory authority from above who's going to change human behavior. And I think we're just going to have to sort of regulate it on our own, as it were.
0: Yeah, I agree. So this is a good, a good place for social pressures to be put to work, right? Like yeah, if someone's exactly. doing something untoward, totally. like the community who's on the beach, should would be like, hey, dude, knock it the fuck off, right? Like yeah. stop with that.
1: Well, that's, a, that's like from surfing. You know, they call it regulating. Like – you know, there's a regulator in the water. There's a pecking order. And there's, there's no police officer mm-hmm. or something. And so at some point, the collective group takes a person aside and says, uh-uh, that's not going to fly. And I've seen that in the water, literally at Topanga, where some person was not sticking to the rules or just not abiding by, you know, the sort of unwritten code. And was literally, like, like, ushered out of the water by these three big guys who was just, like, cut his cord with a knife and grabbed it and said, you're done for the day. And so at some point, uh, hopefully we won't see that kind of level on on the bike path, but it's going to have to be self-regulating. I mean, that is one interesting thing I noticed, Matt, is that, uh, you know, the whole marijuana culture is obviously becoming a huge Mm -hmm. thing just everywhere. It's a huge business. It's a cultural thing and whatnot. Uh, I am, uh, it's, I don't know why I'm surprised. There's two things I always see when I go on the beach at night or, you know, during Sunset when I'd like to go. Uh, just everyone, not everyone, but almost anyone under the 30, half of them, everyone is kind of sharing a vape. And like I said, it's kind of like they're not hurting anyone, whatever. It's just interesting for me to know when I walk by there and I just think about like what, li- how life has changed since I've grown up, you know, mm-hmm. that that marijuana is now basically socially acceptable. It's, it's interesting. And the other thing I always see is, there's a lot of models or like wannabe people, In, uh, influencers. Yeah, at sunset, like on they're always on the on the um, uh, on the lifeguard towers, and they've got some guys, some junior amateur photographer, taking all these pictures, and they're doing all these kind of Kardashian sexy poses. And there's always like a group of like three or four guys that are just kind of pretending like they're not knowing what's going on, and. um I don't even know why I'm bringing up this story, but it's just it's just the things that that I notice and I and I see, and uh, uh, part of me, like you say, that influencer culture, it speaks to how iconic that sort of beaches and that sort of sexy pinup thing. And then I don't know. Part of me is like I don't know the Berkeley side of me. It's just, it's kind of weird where it, it's 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 odd to me to see really young girls. These are girls that sometimes are like fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Being sexualized and, and and sort of it bothers me a little bit, but we're we're, we're going way Get off topic traffic, here a little yeah, bit. But, that's fine. But uh, so you just see all kinds of stuff at the beach. Is what I'm saying.
0: So I I did want to bring up this topic with you just because I always think this is fun and and uh, so this is a subject that our youngest listeners, if we have young listeners, might not really reference. But I was I was talking to um, one of our other columnists, Charles Andrews, the other day, and like he dropped a Baywatch reference, right. the TV show. And then I was uh, flipping through channels the other day, and I found old reruns of Baywatch that were on TV. And I just stopped and watched it for, like, a couple of episodes. Yeah. And I was like, this show is absolutely amazing. When you look at it in the modern context and having lived here, right? And, like, it, you get into, like, the notion of what did Baywatch teach the world about California's beaches.
1: Yeah. Slow and like, motion and boobs, yeah. I think, is pretty much it. It's, no, no, my, my dad loved—I would watch that show with my dad when he was a lifeguard. At I say, because he was a lifeguard, right? Right, and it was just like—it's like anything else, Matt. It's like you and I are both journalists, and, like, if you watched, you know, All the President's Men, even, or—I mean, that's mm-hmm. a fantastic sure. film. But but I'm saying there's lots of movies about journalism where you just laugh about it, you know, just how goofy things are and how they're sort of short-circuit. But, you know, I, I think my, my my dad had a tremendous sense of humor about it and was, like, only wished that, that life were— were, were that exciting. The The thing that he, uh, I always remember, the thing he hated the most was on a crowded summer day. So once again, sound like dinosaurs here, but this is like, you know, before cell phones and before anything. Mm-hmm. And so people generally didn't have a watch on, right? Not time, you know, you don't want to wear a watch. Yeah, to the beach sure. Like, so like one time he counted, he was asked 147 times what time it was. And so uh, uh, at one point, he decided he, he just couldn't take it anymore, and so he just stopped having a watch and a clock in the place because it gave him an excuse that he wouldn't know when the, what time it was. And one of the great things my dad taught me, I just showed a friend this the other day, is if you're ever stuck at the beach and you don't know what time it is, you can make a circle in the sand, mm-hmm. and then you put like a stick right in the middle, and you can make a sundial. And so if you point the meridian line, like you know, the uh, just uh, draw a line north, basically you know, towards Malibu or over the highest mountain over there, and you make that your 12 o'clock, you can always make a, a watch. That's like the one little Boy Scout trick yeah, that my that, dad taught me is that I could tell what time it is at the beaches no matter where I am, as long as I know where north is, and you'll be fine.
0: That's funny. Um, so so we talked a lot about the beaches, and and I did want to get back to a couple of things real yeah. quick, just talking about you for a second. Cause yeah. you, you like, so you, you had mentioned early on that you were a Santa Monica native, yes. right? Like born here?
1: I, I, I was actually born in St. John's Hospital, and I live in Santa Monica now, and I've joked with my kids. I said, guys, if anything ever happens to me, if I keel over, please don't take me to St. John's. Because I, I feel it's kind of like I don't want to go out there because it would be like one of those like, kid, like those little mazes when you were a kid we'd have this little spaghetti line you know drawn all over the world and all the places i've been like to to physically go back into those walls is like too much for me to handle so i say please take me to to UCLA <laughs> so it wasn't just like one of these goofy you know string maze things that's funny um, um, yeah so i mean i i have i've seen the, the entire change you know uh, uh that whole thing can sometimes sound like a cliche. Oh, Santa Monica was a sleepy beach town in the seventies. And oh, now we've become, you know, the Manhattan of, 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 of beach life. And I've, I've seen it. Um, and I guess it's like when you're deep inside it, you don't really notice it. It's kind of like, sometimes it's like the frog, you know, you just turn up the degrees you know, one degree each week or whatever it is. And pretty soon they're boiled alive. I, um, I, I think that um, I miss parts of, of, of old Santa Monica. Um, there are things that uh, I don't miss. And there are things that I love about, quote, the new Santa Monica. I mean, I'm a foodie. I'm a wine guy. I mean, the food is so much better than when I was growing up. Um, and, you know, th- there's things that I, that, that I, that I don't like. Um, you know, quite frankly, I mean, my wife and I will say, like, God, do we really want to try to fight, you know, uh, uh, You know, going to a Dodger game or going to the Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I call it kind of the balkanization. Like, we're stuck here sometimes in Santa Monica. Like, and so that leads itself to that kind of boring culture of like, well, I never go east of the 405, you know, because it's too freaking hard, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, the train has been a big help, I think. The Metro has helped us explore other areas of the city and and help. But um, I I, I love Santa Monica. I just, I, I think people have this idea where we're going to preserve it in amber of some moment of time. I don't know what that is. That's sort of the the cultural of LA. I think is we're always building and and tearing down and rebuilding. That's kind of what we do, I guess. And so
0: yeah, there's always a romanticized notion of of an individual's past, right? Like, right. and and I I do think that culturally we are approaching more and more of that, and that is a big, it's a problem in all kinds of aspects. I think like I'm a big, I am actually a big believer. In the fundamentals of change and evolution. And yeah. Like, I don't believe in sacred cows, and I don't think that something has value just because it's old, nor does it lose value just because it's old. Like, value has to be proven constantly. I exactly. think, constantly. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big believer in change and I, evolution. I,
1: I, I agree with you, Matt, because something like Shay J is important, and it is part of, of Santa Monica's history, and there's something about it. And so, there are things that I'll, you know, die on my sword for. J mm-hmm. Jay, just being an example, w- w- would be something like that. Just for you readers uh, that don't know, the Pentagon Papers were actually handed at the at Shay Jay, that very famous case oh, the they? New York I Times. I did not so know Daniel that. Daniel Ellsberg was working at, at Rand, and uh, uh, that's where he, he passed it off to the New York Times reporters. Another time I'll do a column. About, I also got kicked out of uh, a table there with, with a, a, a young woman that I was so excited. It was my first big date with her, and I had planned this whole thing, and Clint Eastwood came in with his ex-wife, and Jay just ceremoniously kicked me out of the <laughs> booth funny. and said, I'm sorry, but w- we'll save that for another sure. time. But I, I, so my point is there's some places that are, are mixed in with your own history and, and within cultural history that, 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 that need to be protected. But, you know, I, I had this conversation with some former city council members, some of the ones that got booted, and I didn't like some of, of their policies. There was actually something I did agree on. Like, I don't understand this idea of like, you know, housing is a huge thing. And like, you know, there's uh, people complaining because they're building these little micropods and, you know, 600 square foot homes and no parking spaces and this and that. And who knows? Maybe my kids love that idea, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I to decide what, what appropriate housing mixture is for Santa Monica? I can certainly have my opinion and voice that. But mine is not the only voice out there. Maybe we are building for a new generation of of kids who don't want a 1927, you know, Spanish colonial revival north of Montana or you know, in Sunset Park or whatever. But they have a different idea of living, and so I think we just need to. We've talked about this um, several times today. Matt is is the idea of that no one person owns a vision of Santa Monica.
0: No, I think that's I think that's a key point. And going back to the beach, right? And I think that even ties back. You know, I know you don't want to end where you began. You've already made that made that abundantly clear. But I do think this gets back to one of our earlier points around the ocean and the beach and that it's for everybody. Right. And you're sitting there looking at that horizon and whatever that means to you is what it means to you. Right. It's not. Right. It isn't the same meaning for everybody. It isn't the same value to everybody. You know, it's it's. It's different, and I think that's what makes it great, right? That's partly yeah. you have to, and you have to allow everyone that access. I, I well, do fund, fundamentally yeah. believe that. Well, well, well.
1: One thing I do want to mention, Matt, is that, and I agree with the, the vision you just laid out there. But there is sort of a fundamental existential issue going on in LA County right now that most people aren't thinking about, and it's kind of like a ticking time bomb. And certainly, we have lots of other challenges, but. Part of the work I do now is I work with local nonprofits and local governments to help them with communication uh, strategy and engagement vehicles. I'm thinking about their websites and social media and ad campaigns and how they can do that effectively. And one of the big ones I'm working on now on the state of California is a sea level rise campaign. Most people don't realize that the U.S. uh, Geological Survey just came out with a report a couple years ago saying that literally Seventy percent of LA County's beaches, the vast majority of LA County beaches are are are, uh, in Santa Monica Bay. Um, That seventy percent of those beaches could be gone by century's end because of sea level rise, and so, um, I mean, that's literally washed away. And and in sixty years, the Venice Boardwalk. Think about this: the Venice Boardwalk could be underwater, and so people are like, "Wait a minute," uh," and and. My point is that um, in this era of today, what's in it for me, I just hope everyone can think about really pushing and urging their local elected leaders to start thinking and planning about sea level rise resilience and what that means. Sometimes we may have to move. Sometimes we build these natural dunes. What can we do to prepare for sea level rise? Because 70% of LA's beaches could be gone by the end of the century, and you and I won't be around to see that. But, you know, uh, it's part of who we are. It's in our DNA. And I think it's 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 a moral responsibility, frankly, for our grandkids or whatever that, that they do have a beach to enjoy. So level rise is something we're going to have to take seriously. It's already happening now. You don't see it necessarily when you stare at the ocean. But it's going to get really bad in the next couple of decades.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a big... Uh, an important topic. I also agree. It's one that most people don't think about or care about, right? Yeah, and I'm not saying totally. that. They're saying they should. I'm
1: not, that's, no, that's my challenge, no Matt. Yeah, uh, that's that why don't they're think hiring about me. It. It's like, how do you get how do you get someone's attention about something that's going to be a problem far off, and they 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 can't. And so, I guess that's why I make the big bucks, uh, air quotes, uh, on the radio here, but is to try to figure out how to message about that. But it's a challenge. So I just wanted to leave that. Oh and, yeah, for I got you.
0: No, no worries. Well, we can. Was there anything else you wanted to get to? Were there any other subjects you wanted to to address? Uh,
1: well, I, I just wanted to uh, uh, really think about summer is is upon us. You know, Memorial Day is coming mm-hmm. up. This is when people are going to be spending their time at the beach, and so as corny as it sounds, again, I mean, just think about when you go to the beach, what mitzvah can you can you do? I mean, it could be something as picking up some trash, or when you see your city council member asking about sea level rise, that kind of thing, just try to give something back because the ocean gives us so much and we just can't, you know, it's like a loved one or a spouse. So you just can't, you know, treat it and take it for granted. So just try to give something back, some love.
0: Yeah, I got you. Cool. Well, we'll see what we can do. And people will also be able to care about these these issues, yeah. and like ongoing issues in the column, right? That's the yeah, point.
1: Totally. And, and yeah. I encourage people, um, I, I, uh, I'm a fount of ideas. My mind is just like butterfly wings all day long when I'm at the beach thinking about things. But um, please, if you read my column um, or if you have some ideas or a topic to explore, I, I, I'd love to hear from you because it's really important to have a have a dialogue about these things.
0: And, and we'll make sure there's a link in the episode notes here to the, to the column and your contact info and people right. can get to it all that way.
1: Yeah. So I guess what we're talking, you know, Matt, what you're talking about is like you guys have made editorial space for, for the ocean and showed it some love. And so I, I hope to give you and, and the ocean some, some proper respect and, and, and some food for thought
0: as it were. So th-
1: thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no worries. Thanks.
1: Thanks for joining us today on inside the daily press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music for the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that has been playing live since 2002.
0: Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when
1: you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.